Here in just the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we have Jesus' first encounter with a fickle crowd. They start by singing his praises, and a few short verses later, they're trying to kill him. What begins with awe and wonder devolves into murderous rage. Sadly, those who make up this crowd think they th know Jesus the best. They think they know all there is to know about the son of a carpenter called Jesus of Nazareth. But they only see part of him, his sacred humanity. Hence their question, isn't this the son of Joseph? But they are seeing, quite literally, only the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more to Jesus than meets the eye. But that's also true of us. Our mental, spiritual, and emotional experiences can never be fully comprehended by another, no matter how close we are. But like Jesus, to, with Jesus there's even more to him that no one can comprehend, his divinity. He's begun his ministry with exorcisms and miraculous healings, things that can only be done by the imminent presence of God. These are what filled the crowd with awe and wonder. Initially, hear, be, hearing what was done outside of their town elsewhere, they were filled with pride. He's from Nazareth, you know. He's one of ours. No brag, just fact. On the one hand, they want a piece of the action, you might say. They want to see and to experience some of these mighty deeds. But on the other hand, they quite can't quite get over the fact that it's Jesus who is doing it. Because remember, they already know everything there is to know about him. And instead of opening themselves up to something new, of seeing and experiencing new manifestations of God's love and power, they close themselves off. They quickly decide that no, Jesus can't be more than what we think he is. He's a carpenter, the son of Mary and Joseph. That's it. And by doing so, by closing themselves off, those people of Nazareth become the first to miss God's unique self-revelation in the person of Jesus. Jesus cites to them the proverb, physician, cure yourself, is really ironic on two levels. First and foremost, that no physician cures themselves. Every doctor, like every priest, must go to someone else to be ministered to. The best a physician could do is to take the advice they give out to others. The second irony we can only see in hindsight, that Jesus is the one person in that crowd who didn't need to be healed. 
of anything. Indeed, he himself is the source of all healing. Jesus next points out the sad reality of the history and the prophets of Israel, God's unique messengers, namely that they were never welcomed by those who knew them the best. It seems to be a combination of pride and jealousy. Broken, sinful humanity can't imagine God doing something wondrous and miraculous through someone that they know. Something along the lines of, hey, that person's just like me, or worse, they're related to me, and I can't do that. How come they can do that? No, that can't be possible. It's a sad reflection of how often we put one another in a box and get really upset if that person doesn't fit into our box, or heaven forbid, the person grows or changes. And here, this is what's happening to Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry, and it's only going to get worse. Jesus continues by pointing out that God's care and attention has never been limited to just Israel, his chosen people. There is no doubt that Israel does indeed have a special, unique relationship with God and has done so for many millennia. But even so, that doesn't mean that God is exclusively theirs and that God's concern is exclusively about them. That seems to be the straw that broke the camel's back. The crowd can't take it anymore, and they try to kill him. Let's not make the same mistake that the crowd did. Let's keep our hearts and our minds open to the wonders that God has done and that God continues to do that God is perfectly free and calls us to share in that same freedom of the children of God. And we know that God does and can work through others and even through ourselves. God's power is given to us in baptism when we were made children of God and God gives us gifts and expects us to use them for the building up of his kingdom. Indeed, we must know that like Jeremiah, we are intimately known and purposefully chosen instruments of God even before we were born. And it's the love of God perfectly manifested in Jesus that is to be the key and the source of all of our actions in his name. He would later tell the apostles at the Last Supper, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these. It is that love, brothers and sisters, operating in and through each of us that gives us the power and the ability 
to rise above and conquer hatred, sin, suffering, and ultimately, death itself. <laughs>